Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for August 12, 2020. On this day in 30 BC, Cleopatra committed suicide as her rival and Caesarian heir, Octavian, came to claim her for Rome after defeating her lover, Mark Antony, at the Battle of Actium. Like most monarchs of her time, Cleopatra saw herself as divine. From birth, she and other members of her family were declared to be gods and goddesses. Highly image conscious, Cleopatra maintained her mystique through shows of splendor, identifying herself with the deities Isis and Aphrodite, and in effect creating much of the mythology that surrounds her to this day. Though Hollywood versions of her story are jam-packed with anachronisms, embellishments, exaggerations, and inaccuracies, the Cleopatras of Elizabeth Taylor, Vivian Lee, and Claudette Colbert do share with the real queen a love of pageantry. Cleopatra was a mistress of disguise and costume, and she could reinvent herself to suit the occasion. Cleopatra was a mistress of disguise and costume, and she could reinvent herself to suit the occasion. When Cleopatra emerged from the carpet, probably somewhat disheveled but dressed in her best finery, and begged Caesar for aid, the gesture won over Rome's future dictator for life. With his help, Cleopatra regained Egypt's throne. Ptolemy XIII rebelled against the armistice that Caesar had imposed, but in the ensuing civil war he drowned in the Nile, leaving Cleopatra safely in power. Though Cleopatra bore him a son, Caesar was already married, and Egyptian custom decreed that Cleopatra marry her remaining brother, Ptolemy XIV. Caesar was assassinated in 44 BC, and with her ally gone, Cleopatra had Ptolemy XIV killed to prevent any challenges to her son's succession. To solidify her grip on the throne, she dispatched her rebellious sister as well. Such ruthlessness was not only a common feature of Egyptian dynastic politics in Cleopatra's day, it was necessary to ensure her own survival and that of her son. With all domestic threats removed, Cleopatra set about the business of ruling Egypt, the richest nation in the Mediterranean world and the last to remain independent of Rome. What kind of pharaoh was Cleopatra? Well, the few remaining contemporary Egyptian sources suggest that she was very popular among her own people. Egypt's Alexandria-based rulers, including Cleopatra, were ethnically Greek, descended from Alexander the Great's general Ptolemy I. They would have spoken Greek and observed Greek customs, separating themselves from the ethnically Egyptian majority. But unlike her forebearers, Cleopatra actually bothered to learn the Egyptian language. For Egyptian audiences, she commissioned portraits of herself in the traditional Egyptian style. In one papyrus dated to 35 BC, Cleopatra is called Philopatris, or she who loves her country. By identifying herself as a truly Egyptian pharaoh, Cleopatra used patriotism to cement her position. Cleopatra's foreign policy goal, in addition to preserving her personal power, was to maintain Egypt's independence from the rapidly expanding Roman Empire. By trading with eastern nations, Arabia and possibly as far away as India, she built up Egypt's economy, bolstering her country's status as a world power. By allying herself with Roman General Mark Antony, 
Cleopatra hoped to keep Octavian, Julius Caesar's heir and Antony's rival, from making Egypt a vassal to Rome. Ancient sources make it clear that Cleopatra and Antony did love each other and that Cleopatra bore Antony three children. Still, the relationship was also very useful to an Egyptian queen who wished to expand and protect her empire. Though some modern historians have portrayed Cleopatra as a capable, popular Egyptian leader, we tend to imagine her through Roman eyes. During her lifetime and in the century after her death, Roman propaganda, most of it originating with her enemy Octavian, painted Cleopatra as a dangerous harlot who employed sex, witchcraft, and cunning as she grasped for power beyond what was proper for a woman. The poet Horace, writing in the late 1st century BC, called her a crazy queen plotting to demolish the capital and topple the Roman Empire. Nearly a century later, the Roman poet Lucian labeled her the shame of Egypt and lascivious fury who was to become the bane of Rome. After Roman tempers cooled, the Greek historian Plutarch published a more sympathetic biography. Cleopatra became a tragic heroine, with love of Antony her sole motivation. Over the next two millennia, countless paintings and dramatizations, including Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra and John Dryden's All for Love, focused on the fantastic details of her suicide after Octavian defeated Antony. We know almost certainly that Cleopatra, along with her two most trusted servants, killed herself on this day, August 12, 30 BC, to escape capture from Octavian. However, since the facts of her death were unclear even to the men who found the bodies, we will never really know if it was the famous asp that killed the queen, or, most likely, a smuggled vial of poison. It's the asp legend that has prevailed, however, and the image of her death, more than anything else, gave Cleopatra immortality. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.